0: This is the Gate Charlotte Podcast. You're listening to a message by Pastor John Matthews. This morning I wanna it's an interesting morning because I've I um I felt like the Lord challenged me to talk about a topic that's not usually the easiest topic to talk about. <laughs> But in prayer this morning, he kind of like drilled it home like you really don't have an option. And uh, it's about really seeing blessings on the life of believers. And the topic and the reality that, how do I say this? Blessings actually aren't optional. They're needed. Good. You don't, you're, you don't know what to say, which means that I, I know something maybe you don't. And so... <laughs> um, no, I, I, we used to sing this song years ago in church um, when I led worship. I had this line in the chorus, and uh, I never liked it. I tried to change the words any way I could, and it just sounded weird every time I changed it. And it said, uh, we don't want blessings, we want you. And I get the thinking behind it. I, I get that we want you, and we don't just chase your blessings. But I also just don't want to come into the house of the Lord and say, I don't want your blessings just sounds like the spirit of stupids all over that to me. Um, <laughs> is that okay? Sorry, is that some of you offended by that? It I just doesn't sound right, man. It's like my kids don't ever come up to me and they're like, Dad, I just really don't want any blessings. Like, I don't want any treats. I don't want any of that stuff, you know. My kids are always open to Daddy's blessings. <laughs> my littlest is really good at getting them, too. And I think sometimes we look at we look at this topic and we talk about the idea of blessings and sometimes when we get on it we look at it as it's not as important as some other topics so and I want to kind of give you some context for actually how important I believe it is that a believer walks in blessings walks in favor and why it's important. Throughout let's see here where we want to swing One of the things that's happened throughout the history and and a lot of the. The church and the Western American church. Is that we have swung really far to another side in the culture when it comes to talking about blessings, almost as if we we can find ourselves devaluing blessings, like if we're. We've almost elevated people that are in need, and we call that they're more dependent on God than you are. And I want to kind of talk about this. And any way I talk about it, you could take it wrong this morning. I'm not saying if you're in need that you've done something wrong, I'm going to lay all this out. This is not all about money. It will definitely include money, but it's not all about money. It's about living in the blessings of the Lord, having favor on your life. I don't know anybody that really wouldn't want that. I mean, really, this is, this is, if you're going to amen me, this is a really good morning to amen me. This is just a great topic, but people—people people often in the church who walk around—and you know, um, we've gotten so many things wrong. I remember it used to be like people that were prayer warriors; it was like expected for them to be like depressed. I'm serious. They would carry the burden of the world on their shoulders, and they were—it was like—it was like they were depressed. And people are like, "Well, they just—they're a prayer warrior." Well, that doesn't excuse what God's called you to live in, though. And I grew up, my mom's a prayer warrior. My mom's an intercessor. My mom, like, I've told the stories before. My mom was very sensitive in the spirit. My mom would, I mean, she would sometimes be up at, like, 4.30 in the morning praying and dancing above my bedroom. And, like, you're just sleeping, and you hear... <laughs> Every now and then, it'd get weird, and she'd get a shofar and be blowing that, and you'd be asleep, like, whoa! You know, you're like... What is that? You know, you're dead asleep. And it's like you think the elephants are coming in the room. And and my mom was very much a prayer warrior. And <laughs> I grew up in that culture. I know it very well. I and I can't imagine it any other way. Um my mom was very sensitive. As a matter of fact, my mom to this day. Right now they're vacationing, they're in Florida, they go over there for a few months, and Tiffany and I were um the day that we found out the news that we were telling you about earlier, that very day, my mom texts me and says, son, you've just been on my mind. Everything okay? I'm like, wow. I want to be like you when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> and she just, I remember I'd have nights where I'd have dreams and I'd have these, 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 you know, when the enemy would go after me in my sleep. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever had those where you, you, the enemy is just, you can't talk. Yeah. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Not to draw attention to the devil, but he'd go after you, and he locks you up, and you're like, "Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my mom, I remember she'd hear her storming across the house. <laughs> Open up the door, what's going on, honey? <laughs> I mean, middle of the night, she would do that. And um, I, I, I grew up with a lot of that, but something else that I saw and that... And was not something healthy that got in there was that a lot of times that a lot of prayer warriors took on a lot of burdens that they weren't supposed to carry. And so they were some of the most hurting, weighted down people. And I remember when I read, I read a book, if you're a prayer warrior intercessor, you it's a book Benny Johnson wrote, The Happy Intercessor. It's a great book on just... Uh, and Bill Johnson always says a happy intercessor is a sign, wonder, and a miracle. <laughs> he says it's just you don't see enough of them. And his wife wrote a book on what it looks like to be a happy intercessor. And for too long, we've, we've welcomed a culture where people carry their burdens, and they hold their head down, and they're weighted and even depressed. And, and people just, we, we, we can look at that and say, well, they're just so serious about the Lord. And we live a lifestyle of being sometimes poor and broken. And we call it living dependent on the Lord. Let me ask you a question. And I wouldn't answer it out loud yet. (laughs) I'm being nice before I give you the test. Would you rather live in a life of need where God provided for you every day through miracles... Or have a successful job and prosper. Because that's the difference between the wilderness and the promised land. They're both powerful, they're both something we'll all face. Well, we'll all face the wilderness. Hopefully, you can live in the promised land too. Um, I believe we're all faced with the option. Of living in a place of complete dependency where we need miracles continually to meet our needs. But that's what the wilderness was, remember? The Israelites walked in a place of complete dependency. They walked in a place where they didn't have, they didn't know what to do. God provided for them. It was a miraculous season, but it was the wilderness. And it was not the destination, it was the journey. And, but if we're not careful, we can actually take the journey and make it the destination. And then we've got a church filled with people that think it's normal to just live in the wilderness. One of the, it, one of the things that we can do is we, we can elevate the wilderness lifestyle to be one that, how do I say this? It's important. I I would almost call it lessons. We go to school in the wilderness. But I don't want to stay in school. Some people want to do that. I had never figured that out before. That's definitely a gift, but it's not mine. And I want to graduate at some point, and I want to go on with life. And there are seasons where we're in the wilderness. There are seasons where we rely completely on the Lord answering our prayers. We need the miraculous. We don't know what else to do. But that's not what he's inviting you into. He's inviting you into something much greater than that. And we see the difference, actually, in, in Deuteronomy chapter. You don't have to. I'm just going to quote it, but you can write it down. Deuteronomy chapter 28, we see this whole chapter where God is in, he's inviting these Israelites into these promises, all these amazing promises. And one of the things that he says, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 12, is he says that I will bless the work of your hands. I will bless the work of your hands. Okay, so he was inviting them into a place where the end goal was is that you're going to do something. But I'm going to bless that. For you to get from point A to point B, you're going to have to go through this wilderness process where I will have to provide for you miraculously. But that's not my heart for you. My promise for you is that I want to bless whatever you put your hands to. Learning to live from a place of dependency on God is necessary, but it's not our end goal that we live in a place, we want to get to the place where he blesses us. I heard someone say one time, I was talking to another pastor, and he was telling me, he said he had a big decision to make, and he said, God said, you got three choices, I'll bless any of them. (laughs) That's called mature sonship and mature daughtership. (laughs) Maturity has options. (laughs) maturity has options that's why so often we have such a church filled with a lack of maturity is because it's easier to control people than to help equip mature people and we can easily control people and we can tell them what they can and can't do when God's not interested in that he's not he says in this new covenant there's one thing you need to do you need to learn self-control this is what I teach my, myself, my kids, my family. We talk about this all the time. Whenever the wars break out between the kids, we're, oh, well, you're not going to do that. You're not going to do that. I'm like, listen, whoa, whoa, listen. It's not your job to control them. And over here, you. They shouldn't be allowed to control you. They can't take away your happiness. Oh, they just make me so angry. All of this could be applied to church people and children. (laughs) They just made me so angry. Always walks up and knows that one thing to say. uh, They don't make you angry. When you act powerless, you allow yourself to be angry. And we we continually, we continually talk about this. You're called to be powerful people. God, God, is, God is raising up people. His heart is to get you mature enough where you can. What do you want? Some of us can't even imagine God looking at you and saying, what do you want? Because you have only known him as the wilderness God. Instead of the promised land God. Both are necessary, but that's not where he wants you to land. If you have your Bibles, open up to Psalms 67. You still with me? Thank you, Jesus. This what happens when you pray for joy. It kind of happens. All right. Psalms 67 verse 1. Are you ready? (laughs) <laughs> no, you're not supposed to say no. <laughs> uh, Psalm 67, verse 1 says, May God be gracious to us and bless us. Everybody say bless us. bless us. And make his face shine upon us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. Read, I'm going to read that again. May God be gracious to us and bless us. And make his face shine upon us so that your ways may be known in the earth and your salvation among all the nations. I want to allow this passage to challenge your thought process a little bit, your your thinking a little bit, because if I asked most people in this room, "What's, what's, what's the greatest? What do we need to show the world for them to love Jesus? Love. Good. Power. Good. Compassion. Good, but how often do we go to blessings? But according to this scripture, it says that actually the blessings on your life will draw the world to know who he is. You're going to get it here in a second. Blessings, it actually says that blessings are his ways. His ways are blessings. Could it be that we, we don't need a better evangelism technique? We need to begin finding the value of walking in blessings. Oh people people listen to me. So often I especially of people with a heart of evangelism. So often there can be a counterfeit that comes in that I just, we just have to go win the lost. I don't need anything. I don't, and and it's almost as like, I don't care about all that blessings and stuff. We just got to win the lost. But here's the thing. He just talks about the idea of like international evangelism. So that you may be known among all the nations how are they going to know you by the blessings that they see on us are you with me let me say this way you look most like the lord when you're living under his blessings My, my little girl Mackenzie looks um, she looks like identical to my wife when she was that age like if you see the pictures I, they just look so similar you can't tell. And there were certain outfits like back when my wife was a little girl she that you know we're, we're finally getting old enough where clothing is coming back. We've hit that point like you know I always heard people say that my whole life They're like, man, we've been through that like three rounds you know we're finally old enough where they're starting to come back so like, the things from the 90s are big right now. Like 90s are big in this back. And so that's like when my wife was, you know, about the age of my daughter Mackenzie and in the early 90s. And, and so there's certain things that Mackenzie will wear that when, when Tiffany looks at it and says, oh my gosh, with that on you, you look just like me. Yeah. <laughs> What's the point of what the Lord's trying to say? When people look at you, and you're wearing, you're clothed in his blessings, they look at you and say, oh my gosh, you look just like the Lord. You look just like the Father when you look that way. Like, like all of a sudden you're wearing these blessings and I see that. I see that. You look like him. And this is huge because the this, this Psalms is saying that when you're clothed in these blessings, people will know whose kid you are. When you walk in blessings, people look at you and say, oh, I know who's your dad. Yeah. I've only seen that kind of wealth on one other person's kids. And when I say wealth, I'm not just talking money. I've, I've only seen that on a few other people. And that's a child of God. This is fun. <laughs> this is fun because I could feel the friction in the room. It's actually such a simple subject, and it's yet so incredibly hard to grasp for some. I don't know if you've noticed, but most people that are sitting at a a bar and hopeless and just drinking their life away aren't typically tuning in to hear all of our sermons. Not typically. I'm going somewhere with this. People that are shooting up and and doing all different types of drugs, they're typically not, you know, following our podcast, too. Listen to me. Listen to me. What am I saying? It's not typically my sermons that are going to reach those people. My sermons are for a group of people that I'm equipping and empowering that are children of God. Psalm says, you want to know what reaches them? It's what they see on you. It's not my sermon. I, oh, can I just go there for a minute? We put way too much pressure on preachers to win the loss when that's actually not their job. It's not their job. And we do have some churches where the senior leaders are evangelistically gifted, which is why they typically grow so fast and so big, because that's what their gift is. But they can also be very shallow. Because you ha- and, and you have to have the fullness of the body. And what's the point? It's so, it's not our sermons. It's not my sermons that you're going to go put, I mean, you're not going to like trick somebody to come over that needs to know the Lord and put my sermon on and it's probably going to win. I mean, maybe, maybe, I'm not saying it can't, but it's probably not going to happen. But you know what is going to change them is when they begin to have you around, they say, you know what? Every time that I try that, it doesn't work for me, but it works for you. What is it that you carry? You see, they understand that. They don't understand everything I get up here and say because I'm talking to a group of believers. An unbeliever doesn't always get that, but they do get, you are just always, things work out for you. It just works out for you. <laughs> We've been in this process, and then I, I, I love it because... I don't know how to say this. I don't want it to sound haughty, but I do walk in the blessings of the Lord. I love it. I love it. My daddy takes good care of me, and we see favor after favor after favor. Things happen. We're doing this, we're doing this kitchen remodel, which oh, whew, we'll have a separate prayer line for that at the end, but um, we're doing this kitchen remodel. and and you go along and you begin to write things down because you begin to see there's just so much favor. And we, we started it by we had to get a home equity line, right? And, you know, all these papers and all this stuff. And we sit down with this nice guy at our bank, and he says, you know, this usually takes about three to four weeks to get an approval. It's yada, yada, yada. I said, cool, no problem, you know? Five days later, he says, Mr. Matthews, we just never had someone this fast get approved. He said, this is, he says, and he's, he's like, you're a preacher, right? <laughs> all of a sudden what's happening he's noticing something so then so that's step one we get that happens and then we go we're time to order our kitchen cabinets and we're working with a friend who's ordering he says you're not usually like about three weeks at least to get your cabinets in about six days later he says you're not going to believe this all your cabinets are here i'm like i don't even have nowhere to put them yet he's like i've never had it come that quick so that happens. I'm telling you my story because I'm going to put some practicals to this. And I'm not embarrassed of it. And then we, we, we have things that happen. We reach out to a plumber. I don't know this plumber. He comes in, we're talking, we're getting to know each other. And he says, you know, what? I just don't donate all the plumbing parts to you for this job. I'm like, I like you a lot. <laughs> I said... Yesterday, I reached out to uh, someone about granite countertops, and they say, you know, we're not typically do this, but I'm actually just going to put you in touch with our wholesaler. You don't have to go through our store, because then we have all of our cut in it. So I'm actually going to give you the okay to just go down to the wholesaler. And see, things begin to happen. What, what happens is you begin to notice things, but not only you, people around you begin to notice that, man, every time I'm with you... There's always, you get the good parking spots. Things just work out for you. That's the kind of stuff, though, that is not just finances. It's favor. And it's not me. It's him. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. And we have to begin to understand how important this is because he said in Psalm 67, he says, When you walk in the blessings that I want on you, the world will see it. And that you know what they'll want? They'll want to know me because they see the blessings on you. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> A blessed life is not defined by an absence of problems. Rather, the presence of favor, even in the face of problems. You need to understand that, because some people are listening to this thinking, well, I'm just feeling defeated, and beat into the ground, because my life's not going well. I'm not saying that the absence of problems means blessings. It just means that favor is still there in the midst of it. I don't think anybody better describes this than Joseph. Joseph, I love the story of Joseph. Joseph was the guy where, like, I mean, yeah, he made a few mistakes. Probably shouldn't have told his brothers, like, you're going to bow down to me. (laughs) You know? Mistake one. Don't tell your siblings they're going to bow down to you. It's never going to go well. I would have gotten punched in the face by my brother if I told him that. I guarantee it. (laughs) My brother's got all the Italian genes. I obviously have all the Irish genes. It's amazing. I got my Irish Italian. I should be a lot meaner than what I am, but I'm, I'm still pretty, pretty level. But I, <laughs> so Joseph's like, listen, guys, listen, just, you're going to bow down to me. And brothers weren't digging that. And so, you know, they just threw him in a hole. Um, and, um, what <laughs> threw him in a hole. Um, What happens throughout the story? Read your Bible. Throughout the story, he's taken into slavery. He's put into prison. But there's this one thing that Joseph has. Favor. Blessings. Wait a minute. He's in prison. Well, the same guy that's in prison gets promoted to be in charge of the prison. And then what happens? So here he is. He's in in this prison. He gets promoted up. He becomes in charge of this prison. And then... Pharaoh starts having this dream. I need a dream interpreter. And they're like, well, there's this guy, Joseph? Sure, bring him in. So they bring Joseph in. And what happens? Joseph goes through his dream, and he tells him what everything means from the beginning to the end. And there's famine coming, and you need to begin to put aside this and this and this and this. And what happens? Pharaoh says, I'm going to let you run Egypt. I'm going to let you run Egypt. Wait a minute, guys. This is the guy who the brothers threw him in a hole, got sold into slavery, was in prison. And then next thing you know, I'm going to run Egypt. What happened? He carried blessings in favor. Wherever he went, it was not the absence of problems. He still had problems, but the presence of favor was continually there. One of the things that you will notice about people that walk in tremendous favor and blessings is that they probably, they often have more problems than a lot of us, but they also have favor how to deal with them. It's not the absence of problems. If you're going through a tough time and you're thinking, well, I guess I'm not very blessed, you're missing the whole point. You're missing everything I'm saying this morning. The fact is he wants favor to be released in the midst of whatever the season is you're going through. Doesn't always look like money. Might look like money. Thank you, Jesus. Here's the thing. I believe that your moment of breakthrough is very often determined by how you can steward problems (laughs) your breakthrough is often determined by how well you can steward a problem so many of us don't know how to handle the problem well so we go off the rails and what could have been used by God to bring major blessing in our life just ends up being another dead end on our journey And God would have loved to have come in and said, oh, I could have shown up big time in that. But we just went off the rails. I'm jumping around a little bit for the sake of time, so just hang with me. But he wants us to live from a place of blessings. But he also wants us to live in a place of humility. And here's where it gets fun. Humility is not lack. Humility is acknowledging where the source is. For me, uh, often lack masquerades as humility. People are, we we elevate people that live in such need and dependency on God. There's such a humble heart that's just so dependent on God. But that's not where he's trying to take us into. Humility is not embracing lack. I'm going to say that again. Humility is not embracing lack. Humility is realizing where the source of your blessings is. For me, when I'm blessed, the mo- I mean, uh, when things happen, these things happen along the way. We have stories. I have hours of stories i could read you of cool things that happen yeah. that i write them down i'm not like well, that just always happens to me <laughs> cuz i'm that great <laughs> 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 there's 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 a, there's a heart there's a heart in me that says oh man god is is absolutely that great yeah. and he loves me that much that this stuff happens continually yeah. and it's amazing it's amazing. Amen. Amen. He, wants to, he wants us to live from a place of blessings, but humility. But here's the thing. Apologizing for blessings in our life is not humility. All right, we got to hit this before we're done. Apologizing for blessings is not a spirit of humility. It's a spirit of poverty. I know when I meet somebody that struggles with this because they're embarrassed of the blessings in their life wow. and you walk and you you know the story you walk in it's a beautiful home and or a really nice car and you're like man and I'm, I'm like genuinely like, that's a sweet car well. and, and and they're like well you know I, I don't you know I've just all this stuff and, and you they begin to apologize and you can feel it's it's awkward for them but see that's not humility Oh, it's uncomfortable now because we start talking about items. <laughs> you don't want me to go there because I keep my mouth closed on Facebook often when people attack preachers. <sighs> Aren't we supposed to be blessed? We don't need to apologize for the blessings in our life we also don't get to take credit for it all I am blessed and he's so good I know he's my source but I won't apologize for it I I, I've one thing I've learned after years of ministry is be careful not to apologize for things you've not done wrong or you'll be apologizing like daily for other people's issues I think we've swung the pendulum at times too far where we, we, we think that, well, you know, you're obviously not favored by God if you're not rich. Mm-hmm. And I think we can go the other way, can't we? But I think everything can go that way, can it not? Okay, yeah. And you meet people that have, feel like they have to apologize. It's interesting that we only do that with monetary blessings. I don't know that I have an answer for this, but if someone comes up and says, man, you just have such a beautiful, healthy, loving family. Oh, thanks so much. We don't feel like we have to defend that. But when it's monetary, and I'm fully believed it's because we haven't fully gotten free in the finance part of our lives yet. Because when someone says it's monetary, often we begin, well, you know, it's, uh, and we play it. Uh, you know, something happened, and I really don't even want this car. Yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> whatever, dude. You bought it, it's yours, get over it, right? Own it. <laughs> I, I, no, yeah, someone just dropped it off at the car lot, and I bought it. <laughs> Imagine how healthy our culture would be if we could live as powerful, confident believers that don't need to diminish someone else's blessings to make our lack feel better. We could celebrate them because I believe the the breaking point, the tipping point, if you wanna call it that, to where blessings really start to break through in your life is when you can celebrate other people's blessings, especially in the face of lack. Uh, um, um, imagine, I'll give you a scenario. Just I was thinking about this morning, I'll wrap it up. Imagine you, you're in a season and your car's broke down. Let's just, like, like you have no vehicle. Let's say that. it. And if that's huge, don't say anything. Um, but let's imagine that, that you have no car. Your friend's got three cars, really nice cars, right? I'm talking sweet cars. You have none. You walk into the, your friend, you bump into them at the grocery store and you're in this grocery store and they are checking out and ding, 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 ding. You're our 100,000th customer, the friend that owns all the cars. Guess what? You win a free car. You're standing there. They already have three cars. I have no cars. And you're faced with that moment. Can you celebrate the blessing on their life, the favor that's on their life? Because that's a moment where you get to decide do I want to have this favor? Now, it may not look the same, but that moment we get to say, do I celebrate that? I love celebrating people. I, I, honestly, I, I love it when people are blessed. It's just so great. We just heard a story this morning in a moment at the end. I'm going to have her share it. I didn't know anything about this story, it's phenomenal. Of a breakthrough that happened a few weeks ago. But the Lord said in Psalm 67, he says, do you want to know how the world's really going to know that I'm good? They're going to see my blessings on your life. And they're going to look at you and say, oh, I know who's your dad. Because you just have blessings all over you. There's so many pieces to this. I believe we also have to be able to steward little before we can steward a lot. So many people tell me, if I just had more money, you just have more money to lose if you're not careful. I hear it all the time. If I just had more money, I believe that we have to learn how to steward a little. We have to be able to steward the moments where we have nothing. How do you steward that? How do you steward it? Not just money, how do you steward it? You're doing ministry, you're preaching, and two people show up. And you've prepared for three weeks, and two people show up. All of a sudden, how are you going to steward that? (laughs) It's just like, I can take on both of them. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times that I would prepare, 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 and nobody would show up. And I'm not saying that for sympathy. It was just part of my journey. We sung to a lot of empty chairs. We at one point took as many chairs out of the room as we could, spaced the aisles as wide as we could space them. You remember what I'm saying? Dude, you guys missed the good old days of lots of leg room, first class everywhere. There was nobody here. You so say you what'd you do? You spaced the seats out, feels more full. How do you make a room with 25 chairs full? (laughs) And we would sing and we would have afternoons of worship and you would get up there and what happens? You had to just steward the moment. You just steward the moment. Because if you can't steward that, you can't steward thousands. It'll crush you. And some of you are in the place where you're trying to step out of things in your life. You're stepping into new things and you're facing that place where you're having to steward very little. You're stewarding maybe barely any money. Or maybe you're, you're stewarding a, a vision the Lord's given you and it's just not getting off the ground. Or you're stewarding a ministry that's just, you've been holding on and it's just not getting anywhere. And it's tough. But it's not the end goal. He didn't want to just say, Israelites... I'm gonna bring you into the wilderness. Good job. They would be like, "What?" Remember, at one point they were like, "We should have just stayed in Egypt. It was so rough." They're like, "We just should have stayed in Egypt." I said, "But that's not what I've promised you. I want to bring you into a place where, when you work, everything you put your hands on is blessed." When you, when you minister, it doesn't matter if it's two or three people, everybody you talk to, they get, they just, they feel it. They're changed. How can you steward where you're at? Because that's what's going to bring you in. We all know the Bible says that we mourn with those who mourn, but we often forget we're supposed to rejoice with those who rejoice. It's, 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 it's actually, for many people, easier to cry with someone who's crying than to rejoice with someone who has what you wish you had. But can you celebrate them? Can you celebrate them? I feel the breakthrough in this room this morning. I feel that there's going to be some release going on, and I, I'm not going to say if you... St- I'm not going to give out... <laughs> If you stand now, you'll get $1,000. I, I, I can't. I, I don't, that's not how I'm going to roll here at the end. But I do believe that some Should I stand? Really? For real? Like, some, some people are like, I don't even know. I'm just going to stand just for good measure right now. That's what I'm going to do. So, no, I, I want to I wanna hear a testimony. So uh, would you come up and... Sh- uh, yeah, you give her a hand. She's got a painting, and I want you just to tell everyone kind of who you are, when you painted this, and as, if you can, the quick story behind it.
1: I'm going to keep this as short and sweet as possible. Um, there's a lot of story that goes behind this painting. Um, part of it is I spent three years at Bethel and served under the arts ministry there and painted on stage at Bethel. And the last Sunday I was at Bethel, Eric Johnson preached Second Chronicles 20, and then The second Sunday I was here, John preached on 2 Chronicles 20. And God told me in my heart that I was to stand and watch his salvation. About January, um, Rachel asked me if I'd consider painting at the worship night. And I said, no, I need at least a month so that I can prepare for the Lord and and pray about what he wanted me to paint. And I went to that worship night and he said, paint the wave. The wave goes back a long time. But I won't get into the details. I'm going to post it online for everybody to read. So I came to the worship night. I painted. And John gets up on the stage and says, 2 Chronicles 20. (laughs) I dropped to my knees that day because I knew it was God. And what I was painting was of him. At that time, I needed a huge breakthrough. Um, In January... John did two offerings. One was about the widow's mina. That Sunday I had like $5 left in my wallet. And I put the $5 in and I wrote on the envelope about the widow and said, I'm giving out of my lack. The next, uh, the next week he got up and he made a proclamation at the, at the offering and he said, I believe there's people in here who have been waiting for a long time for a prayer to be answered. I was waiting 10 years. On my birthday, I get a notice from the VA that they found in my favor on a settlement. The day before Valentine's Day, after I painted this painting, I got a notification of how much money I was gonna get. The day after Valentine's Day, which was Friday, I got 12 checks in the mail. that. I needed a job at the time, but I didn't have to work because I got this settlement. (laughs) And I I did an interview before I got the checks, and they said, we want to hire you. And I'm like, I don't need to work. (laughs) And they said, but we want to hire you. And I said, fine, I'll work for you for a short time, but I can't guarantee I'm going to work for you for a long time because there's a lot that God has birthed in my heart about a dream about things that I want to do. And some of the people in the body know about what's in my heart of what I want to do. And it's just basically a housing project. Amen. And I believe this is the birth of a dream for me. Yeah. But it's also a breakthrough for this church. This, this, type, this painting is titled Breakthrough. And before I left Bethel, the Lord gave me Matthew 19, 29, which talks about if you've given everything up for his sake, that he will return everything to you a hundredfold Amen. that which you've given up. And I've seen him do that in my life and my family. I'm rede- God's redeeming things in my family I thought would never happen. My mom stood t- in my house this morning as I was taking this painting down and she's shaking her head no. And I'm like, Why? And she's like, you can't take the painting out of here. Wow. And wow. there's a family in this church that, that is going to get this painting. But I asked their permission if we can display it here at the church for a month. So that we can release the blessing over this family. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm here to release that blessing over you. Thank because God. there's power in your testimony. Yes. Yes. And God has blessed me. And, and in... in in Bethel, they teach us, and not just in Bethel, but in the kingdom, we're taught that God has brought favor on your life so that you can share it with others. I totally intend to share my blessing with others. And I have not only that 12 checks, but I have a lifetime until I die or get married again, I get $1,300 a month. And there's other stuff that comes along with it that... I just want to release that over you guys today. So, as you see this painting, as you gaze upon it, as you stand and look at it, may it release the blessing that He has poured over my life onto you. And I just thank God. I want to use the two most powerful words in the Bible that He even talked about when the Lord had talked to me about it. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for this blessing that when you use the words, thank you, you multiplied the bread and fed 5,000 people and had leftovers. Enough for 12 disciples. So you gave me 12 checks and I ask that you take this money and you use it to benefit others. And I just ask, Lord, that you use my life as a reflection of your glory. And that you do the same for each person here today and that are listening online and even those that can't listen online right now. When I was 12, around 10 or 12 years old, I prayed, God bless the whole wide world because that's what God wants. And that's how this journey started for me. And I want it to go for you too. So I pray all of this over you in the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: powerful she didn't know what I was preaching on this morning (laughs) she came in and said that in the prayer and I was like whoa thank you I want to pray over you guys let's stand up thank you Jesus we need the blessings of the Lord on our life and we owe it to the world to reveal who he is Let's start right there. Can we just give him thanks? Thank you, Thank you Jesus. Thank you, Father. It was, as, as she said, it was with giving thanks that he took the little bit he had, and it began to multiply. So whatever you need right now, just lean into giving thanks right now. Give you thanks, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. We thank you for the testimonies that are coming out of this room right now, right now, right now. One of the most powerful things that I learned in praying for people for healing was to bless their bodies. Randy Clark always jokes around and says that, he says that praying is our last resort. He said, we do pray, but the first thing we do is we bless them with wholeness, he said, there's something powerful that happens when you bless someone's body. Yeah. And then we can, if that doesn't work, he commands it to go. And if that doesn't work, they begin to pray. It's a little bit of a different take than what many of us grew up believing. But I want to bless you this morning. So if you need a blessing, a physical blessing in your body, an area of your body that needs healing, just wants you to just position, maybe just put your hands out before the Lord. You don't have to raise your hand. Maybe just put your hands out to receive that blessing in This is for physical healings, all right? In Jesus' name, I just release right now, Father, throughout the whole room, we release the blessings in everyone's body. I bless every single person's body with wholeness, with wholeness. I bless backs with wholeness in the name of Jesus. I speak blessing over you. There's a couple people in here. That you've been into the doctor route and just haven't been getting any answers. I just release blessings over your body right now, in Jesus' name. Wholeness, wholeness, wholeness. I speak to relationships in this room. If you need a, if you need God to just lay His hand on a relationship, I want you to receive this. I speak a blessing over every relationship that's represented in this room that needs a breakthrough. Whether it be with a spouse or children or friends or family, I just release blessings over you. Wow. I release peace over you. I release hope over you. Hope is so much stronger than we know. I release hope over you. I pray over the things that look like they cannot be fixed and say, ah, that's easy for him. It may be a journey for you, but it's easy for him. I bless you. I bless your relationships. I pray over you guys financially and over your work. Whether you are looking for work, whatever that may look like for you, we just release great blessings over you. The debts would be canceled, yes. increase that you guys would be that you would be that employee at work that just no one understands why does he keep getting promoted, and you can say, oh, just God loves me that much. I just release promotions. I release increase, but I release over some of you the revelation of how important it is to steward what you have now. I bless you with the ability to steward it. Father, we speak over this house at large, and we just speak a blessing that everyone that walks through these doors, the moment they pull on the property, that they would begin to encounter the blessings of the Lord. Your heart was always to bless. You always reached out with blessings. And Father, I pray that even people that don't understand what they're feeling, they would be welcomed by the blessings of the Father. They would be welcomed by you.
1: In Jesus' name.